0: When my mum was 16, she wanted to stay at school and her dad wouldn't let her. He said it wasn't worth educating girls. So she went to ICI and she got a reasonably good job, not as good as a brother who was allowed to stay on at school. And then she got married, about 21, and she had to leave. Because when she got married, they didn't expect you to stay working, because they said you'd have babies. I remember when I was growing up, I said, how awful. That was and she agreed with me. It was different for me. My dad really encouraged me and my brothers and sisters and particularly me to go to university, get a really good job. As far as I was concerned, the world was my oyster. And then I chatted to my friend and I said, are you going to uni? And She said, no, my dad says it's not worth it. I'm looking at Karen's face there. She said, I'll only get married and go and work in a shop. I'm glad to say about four years later, she did go off to uni. And I was like, yeah, go for it. But what? So we look back on those times, and we go, that wasn't good. But what will our children look back on and say about us and the things that we accept today? And what about people who are black, and black women, and ethnic minorities? who actually don't have the same opportunities as we white, middle-class people do. And what about people in other countries like Afghanistan, where girls aren't allowed to go to school? I'm governor at a school um, in Tolworth, and it's a girls' school, and we've just had a number of refugees come from Hong Kong, the Ukraine, and Afghanistan. The two girls from Afghanistan have never been to school. And one of them is 15. They can't adjust Brings it home. So let's look at our Bible verse that we have running through our series this time. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Doesn't say God created men in his image and women just a little bit different. There is no difference in value between men and women. Both are complementary. Yes, there's difference, there's diversity. Otherwise, it would be a pretty boring place if there wasn't. Um, But male and female are equal. Male dominance and superiority did not exist in the beginning in the world. We've created this hierarchy. We've created the patriarchal society that we've grown up in for the past thousands of years based on wealth, mostly wealth and strength. Wealth, because they wanted to pass on their land to their sons. Today, I want to highlight, so how do we challenge and put this behavior right? Today, I want to highlight where this injustice happens in the workplace, in business, in factories. But the way we, and look at ways we change it, and that's outside the workplace. So if you're sitting here today and saying, I'm not working, I'm a woman, I'm not working today, this is still for you. If you're a man, this is still for you. Only by all of us doing things can we actually change things. Ruth and Rachel focused on Jesus' attitude to women. I'm going to drill down slightly more into the workplace. Lovely iceberg, one. Neuroscience say that 45% 45% of our behaviours are habitual. And that 95% are driven by our subconscious. So the way we think and feel drives our behaviour. The way my dad brought me up, and do you know what, it wasn't until I did this sermon I realised how well he brought me up, because I hated a lot of stuff, but he brought me up to believe I could do stuff that I could achieve. So... If you take away one thing from today, and nothing else, I want you to take away one th- the fact that injustice happens because of our attitudes. And it's only by working together that we can change things. It's not someone else's job. It's yours, and it's mine. It's all of ours. Poor attitudes drive behavior which can lead to injustice. And I think we've seen that all along through this whole series of sermons. Isaiah 1, verse 17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. We need to learn to do right in the workplace, even if it's difficult. We need to seek justice for others. And we need to defend those who are being oppressed, who are having those things happen to them. And I'm going to talk about some of those today, whether being oppressed, put down, or not given the same opportunities. So we know all the big stuff. And I think Ruth talked about some of the big stuff. We know the inequalities. You know the fact that women earn less, less pay, even on the same jobs at times. Um, you know the fact that you promote a man over a woman, because the woman's of, of um, pregnancy, maternal age. And do you know what? I have to confess, I've done something similar. I've had two women in my, my company, and I only had one I could promote. And one of them, I knew she said, I want a new baby, I want to get try for a baby again. Do you know how difficult it is to actually then put people on an even par? And even this week, the employment bill was left out of the Queen's speech, which was going to give greater protection to stop discrimination in pregnancy and on maternity leave. But what about those little? insidious things that happen in the workplace, those microaggressions. Microaggressions happen for nearly two-thirds of women in the workplace. And I'm sure there's a lot of you are going to say yes to some of these. It's about sexism and racism and it happens more to black women than white women. Many of it happens because of those subconscious attitudes that we talked about. Have you been ever asked to get the tea and coffee, even though you're the most senior person in the room, because you're a woman? Or have you ever been asked, will you play mother? Or have you ever gone to a car dealership, as I have, to buy a new car with my spouse a long time ago, and they talked to him instead of me, even though I was the one earning the money, and even though I was the one buying the car, and paying for the hire agreement, and actually, it was for me. It happens. There are assumptions for when your male colleagues are more senior. I've walked in to meet a customer or a new client with one of my colleagues and have them talk to him, because he's a bloke, and actually, he works for me. And there's a number of you who probably had the same. And then there's those horrible, sexist comments which are passed off as, I was only joking, chill out, come on, get a sense of humor. Um, Offensive statements like, it's hot in here, you have having a heart flush, dear? Or that awful Michael Winner ad which said, calm down, dear, it's only an accident. That would tear my hair out. Or do you work in a, a male office? We're predominantly male, and it becomes that little boys' club attitude. That boys' club where they start talking about their wives and their girlfriends in a really derogatory manner. Or the girls they're looking at on the... Um, it's not Tinder, the, the, the other version of Tinder. Um, they do. Boy, men can descend into that humor. I call it rugby club humor as well, and I think you might understand that. Or you have someone that you're looking at, a potential... and you say, oh, she's such a darling. Would you say that about a man? But you say it about a woman. So how can we change this? How can we help those people? And it's happening to the women. How many women have had something similar happen to them? Hands up. Yeah, lots. I won't ask you, men, how many of you have done that by mistake. But have a think. So how can we help? Yes, we can help by changing. Yes, we can help by re-evaluating our attitudes. But when it happens to somebody, how do we help them? It's about listening and empathizing. And interestingly, when I'm looking for a picture, I put a person empathizing and listening. I only got women up online. But men can do it as well. It's about listening. And this week we've the church, Neil and Kate have been running the difference course. And the, the part this week was about listening to people. It was people telling a story of something that's happened to them that wasn't good or somewhere where they belonged, and having us listen and shut up and listen. which we all find difficult, and that's what we said in our group. And then asking gentle questions and empathizing back again. And Tom said, there's someone who did it really, really well. said, they played back to me what I'd said. They empathized. The difference between men and women is positive. It's very positive. And it's to be celebrated in the workplace. There are real benefits. Men and women can think differently. I was once told I had a male brain. Um, I didn't know whether to be insulted or flattered by this guy. I think, in the end, I was insulted. And I'm not the only one. My daughter said that this week. She told me this week she'd had the same. It was a male brain, for goodness' sake? But there are way, different ways that men and women think, and it brings a diversity into the, mar- the workplace. But too often we hire like us, like me. So that for men means that's why men get hired and get promoted. Because you hire like me. Or you say, I want another me. And I've done that when I was recruiting. I want someone with a bit of oomph. I want somebody who's going to be self-motivated, who's going to get on and do things. And one of my best hires was someone who was so not like that. She was an introvert. She was quiet. Um, But she knew her stuff and she was organized. My CEO said to me, Carol, why do you want to hire her? You, you know, are you sure she's right? I said, Liz knows what she's doing. He said, okay, I'll give it a go. I left her as I moved on because I hired her. I'd been brought in to find somebody and she's still there a few years later. We need to raise up female leaders in the church as well as the workplace and that means mentoring them, training them. We have this phrase... They're a born leader, nah, nobody's a born leader. I remember them saying that about some of my children. They're born leaders. You all need coaching and training. We all need to be coached. We all need to be taken on. Otherwise, particularly for women, we'll end up just taking on men's characteristics, which ain't good. Women need to see themselves as role models. Being at home, looking after the kids, affects your self-confidence. Do you know what? That's normal. But for many women, that's what's happened. It happens because you're devoid of that professional conversation. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to a man, and he's not in church I think he's out at the back helping. So I talked to Mark Baines and interviewed him. So I thought, is it just women who lose their confidence when they're at home with the kids? And Mark was really interesting, and he's given me permission to tell his story. He said, when you're at work, you're in a structured environment. You know what you're doing. You have your aims. You have your goals. And all of a sudden, you're at home with kids, and it's completely unstructured. And those of you who've done it know, you know they don't do what they think. You know, it's feed time at different time every single day. They don't play or behave in the same ways you want them expect them to. He said, and part of you goes dormant. That part of you, which is that professional side, goes dormant. Now, I did a degree in maths. Um, When my kids came to to do A-level, and all three did a maths A-level, because why not, they asked for help. And I couldn't always remember. I couldn't remember. It's not that I didn't know this stuff. I'd just forgotten it. I actually had to go get the books and look it up to see what to do to help. You know, if you've ever learned a language, you know if you don't, you're not there in a language, you don't speak every day, then you lose it. So what happens is if you're not at work, and this happens not just to women on maternity leave, but it also happens to those of you who've been made redundant and you're out of work for a while, you find it difficult to access that information that you're used to access, accessing. It means that when you go for interviews, it's harder. It means you worry about going back to work. Will I remember everything? And the ways we can actually help people, how can we as a church mentor and coach people who are going through that? Because there are ways. There are ways to get your self-confidence back. There are ways to get your professional self-confidence back. And if any of you are going through it right now, come talk to me. I can't go through them wall up here. There's just too much to talk about. And women in leadership, there is a, an index called the Reykjavik Index for Leadership, and it's the fir- world's first measure of the society's perceptions of men and women's suitability to lead. It was started in 2018, it now covers 23 countries, and it scores across 23 economic sectors. And basically it says, could a woman lead an, en- an engineering company? Could a woman lead a health and well-being company? And the UK actually scores one of the highest, which shows quite surprised that We score 8 out of 10, in the sense that 8 out of 10 people think a woman, equally to a man, could lead a company. In Japan, it's only 5. So there is a difference. But that masks a number of things. What it masks is, men have a lower opinion, women have a higher opinion, and men have a lower opinion. And frighteningly, Younger people have a much lower opinion. So normally, we expect younger people to lead the way. Younger people have led the way in terms of climate change. But in this case, they don't. Younger people do not believe that women can lead a company. We need to change that, and we can change that. Because girls do better at school, more go to university. They don't always go to the top universities as much because many of the top universities are science-based. But how we mentor and treat our children our young people is really important in terms of having them grow up like I grew up because way my, my dad brought me up. It provides their foundation for life. When my kids were small, I don't know if they remember this, I picked up worms. I didn't like worms. I didn't want to pick up worms. They were horrible, they were slimy, they were blech. I would hold spiders. I grabbed daddy long legs. Not because I wanted to, because I wanted to treat, teach them not to be afraid. I wanted to teach them they could do it. At A-level, I found myself often in the only girl in my lessons, because I did maths and science. And I remember one particular year in the sick form, when, after exams, a friend said to me, what did you get, Carol? I said, I got 90%. And to be honest, I was a bit cheesed off that I'd only got 90. And she went to me, ooh, did you come top? I said, of course. I'm sorry, but that's what I've been taught, um, to aim high. And she said, fancy a girl coming top. I said, Suzanne, what do you mean, fancy a girl coming top? How do we bring up our children so they believe that they can achieve, whether they're a boy or whether they're a girl? How do we help encourage our schools to do it? As I mentioned, I was a governor at a school, and we have building, been building diversity into our lessons. So diversity in the terms of black, female, ethnic, um, LGBTQ. I can never say that. But not just as a sort of incidental. It's putting it all the way through. Because so much of our lessons and the way we teach our children is, is white male. Did you know they took out all white female scientists? They weren't allowed to go on any papers in the old days. So actually trying to find the female scientists for the science lessons was actually difficult. But did you know it was a black man who developed the coating that went round the wire for electricity? We don't talk about that. So, what they've done is they've been embedded in every part of the curriculum. Can we encourage our kids' schools to do the same? Not tokenism. And if you don't have kids at school, how about going to be a governor somewhere? And help. And what about vineyard youth? Can we tell stories of strong women? What about stories about Lydia, who was a merchant? who ran her business. She's in the New Testament. She also ran a church. Do we talk about people like her? And I know a lot of the Old Testament stories tend to be male-focused, but can we make sure we talk about some strong women? So, in summary, yes, injustice happens because of our attitudes, and I've talked about some of those, but we all have a part to play. It's only by working together can we change things from the bottom up. It's not someone else's job. It's yours. It's mine. It's all of ours. As Isaiah says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed.